There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour Extra Bits, our little gift for you podcast subscribers. This week, we are talking to one of the UK's leading drag queens. Tom Rasmussen explains exactly what it's like growing up as a wannabe drag queen in the north of England and how he came to create Crystal. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Now, our next guest has written a book that when it landed on our desk, I was just beyond excited, ready by the cover. Tom Rasmussen is drag queen and author of Diary of a Drag Queen. And his Instagram is the brilliant at Tom Glitter. Tom, welcome mm. to Badass Women's RXL. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, for anyone that has not spent uh, the last few months binging RuPaul's Drag Race on Netflix, what do we mean when we say drag queen? Well, What's the official definition? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I should know. <laughs> Um, well, I guess technically a drag queen is perhaps a performer and someone who dresses in uh, women's clothes or explores like female uh, signifiers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a drag queen. So sort of, yeah, I would say most probably performs on stage perhaps. But I think you can be a drag queen in your bedroom. I was for like 12 years. Yeah, I was going to so. say, when do, you, when do you know that there is this drag queen waiting to like come out? Because I feel like whenever I see drag queens, they just look like these sort of badass mm. alter egos. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Well, well, I think I, I don't know. I think I was a drag queen before I knew what a drag queen was. Mm-hmm. So I sort of was... I don't know, nine when my mum caught me in a dress lip syncing to Celine Dion and I wasn't really like (laughs) aware of what that meant. And then I think basically at university when I learned what drag meant, I was like, oh, that's me. Because I think I'd always wanted to basically perform and, you know, get some attention. But not really, actually. It becomes about far more than that, far more than that over time, I think, if, you know, if that makes sense. How do you go from like thinking, oh, I'm possibly a drag queen I'm enjoying this dressing up I'm enjoying the singing to actually doing like your first performance do you remember your first performance oh my goodness I mean I again yeah maybe I've been I've been, I've been I've probably been again performing my whole life who isn't um and also gender's a performance let's be real um but I uh, well I for me it was about meeting people I think that's the way to do it you know if you're wondering about getting into drag you know, I think people might first of all focus on aesthetic, but I would say the most important thing is like 
get out, go and see your local drag queens, you know, go to the night, support the night, speak to people, become kind of a known face. And then hopefully you'll get invited onto stage. I started a university with four friends who sort of, we all sort of formed a drag troupe together. And that's, you know, it was dry, dry there. And so (laughs) people turned out, they were like gagging for it. You know, you had sort of rugby lads in dresses and sort of like, you know, super, super girly girls in suits. And I think it really... You know, I think everyone has a little bit of, of it inside them, really, mm-hmm. just sort of want to. Mess Where around. did you go to university? I went to Cambridge. Uh, and, oh. But you're, you're Lancashire born. <laughs> Lancashire born, yeah. I, I went to, hard, you know, hardcore state school, but yeah, then went to Cambridge. Um, I'm Lancashire born, yes. Okay. Cambridge wasn't very drag friendly until we arrived. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's still drag friendly. Did you, do you think? Did you create a whole drag scene there? Um, I think there's still a really cool, there's a cool drag troupe going on now called Drag Time. So yeah, maybe. I mean, no, I don't want to claim like we dragged <laughs> Cambridge. It doesn't deserve that. It's um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was funny. It's a very dry place, and and it's also not very northern or friendly either, which was mm. a funny thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I ended up sort of accidentally losing my accent, and I go home, and everyone be like, "You're so bloody posh now." And, <laughs> oh no, sorry, I shouldn't say the B word. Um, but um, yeah, it's it was a funny one. Anyway, um. But no, I think maybe there's a bit of a drag scene happening. And, and, and I think it was around a time as well where drag was happening more or maybe like more people were becoming aware that, you know, there was lots to be talking about and working through with gender, you know, the rise of fourth wave feminism and things like that. But do you think people make the connection between drag and gender? So if I think of uh, drag queens growing up, uh, it's Dame Edna mm. on television... Uh, and then um, Lily Savage, Lily Savage, Savage. Lily Savage. Uh, and but again, who was Northern? Lily Savage. Lily Savage. Yeah. Uh, so it, you know, it actually growing up, it was normal right. on television. Right. Did you just think growing up drag was a Northern thing? Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I've just made that. Conne- I've just made that connection. Uh, yeah, or, or basically not Southern because Dame Edna also had an accent. She's Aussie, Aussie. isn't she? Yeah. So yeah, making a connection between drag <laughs> and Outside having the M25. an accent. Yeah. <laughs> so so actually, you know, how 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 did you go on sort of a, a journey of saying this is something that I can do and I can live it, and now you've got a book talking about it. I mean, it was it was hard, like, to be honest. I mean, it's also drag. I, I always say this thing a lot, which I've been saying way too much recently, but, you know, drag and being sort of gender nonconforming, if you will, mm. not really being a man. Mm. And especially back, you know, back home in, in Lancaster, which... Yay! It's yeah. Lancaster you. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, home in Lancaster, it, you know, being, first of all, gay, but also really feminine mm-hmm. wasn't really the most, like celebrated thing you have to work the doors of the litten tree i don't I oh you see. didn't I did. no I did. you yeah, didn't did. i'm obsessed yeah oh god the litten tree yeah shout out all those guys <laughs> should we just um, leave you two to it oh my gosh like, <laughs> like that is a, a wonderful a wonderful wonderful place i did did to my heart but yes i can't uh, th- thinking about it you know i can't imagine walking down penny street right. in drag right uh, or even talking about gender d- talking yeah. about gender in a way other than you know men are blokey blokey and, and girls the girl- are girls. Exactly. And I was always like a girly girl, you know, and I, so the question was how, the question was like, when did I, I guess, how did I get here, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was all secret for a while. And then it it really was about meeting people. And, you know, my parents are a really good example of when I first 
came out as just simply gay when I was 13, which is really young. So I, I had no other option. I was very evidently gay. Um, and sort of they found it really hard again because of kind of maybe where where I were from and mm-hmm. I, I think you know my mum is who is amazing but she'd never met a gay person before in her whole life because why would she have I guess that I hadn't mm-hmm. I saw it on TV and was like oh no that's me oh gosh anyway so then I came out and she wasn't very really necessarily good with it and then over time oh gosh where am I going with this but over time basically um the more and more drag I did the more and more I was brought out by other people who were doing it too so first of all at uni really I met people who were exploring gender and wearing dresses and being on stage and performing drag and 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 I sort of you know to see that to see yourself that's when you're like oh I that's me I want to do that too so you do that together Mm -hmm. and through that you know I don't know why I brought my parents up through that you know it's also like not just me that's sort of become a drag fan and someone who's knowledgeable of drag like my parents and my whole family like Mm -hmm. really engaged in the culture now and like come to all the shows and I'm doing going up to Lancaster and doing a show in April and like loads of um at the Story Institute okay which is nice we tried to get the Dukes but it was booked um and basically it's this thing of like I don't know it's amazing to see friends that when I first came out were pretty homophobic Mm -hmm. not gonna lie I I was pretty homophobic I used to say all the things like you know, that's gay and stuff at school, awful mm-hmm. stuff. You know, now be like desperate to be front row at the drag show and like mm-hmm. how that culture's changed and expanded and, and people. But I always think, you know, it, you kind of got to, you got to know one in a way. You mm-hmm. got to know a drag, you know, and it, it just shows in my parents. I don't know, that didn't really answer the question, but I think it's interesting. <laughs> no, it did. That journey, that journey is important because it's not other than the Day Medners or Lily mm. Savages of this of this world. You didn't know, but you did know. Right. Because it was always there. Right. But, and then as you move around and then going to Cambridge and you start having conversations and right. you realise there's this person that you are and you can be not just in your head, and, yeah. out there in the world. And that's yeah. the bit that for me is is just a wonderful journey. It is. It was a one. It has been a wonderful journey. It's also been like paved with scary stuff as well. Mm. Like I've been attacked so many times really badly once in East London and things like that. So, <clears throat> you know, while there's, a, you know, while I'm here on the radio and I've written a book about it, like well, I'm here on the radio um, <laughs> you know there's st- it's still not necessarily the, like the easiest journey in a way and I, I still like do not go out in drag I, as in like if I get a gig booked I, I, I'm I, like I can't do it unless I which sounds so diva and it's not about being diva because yeah. I'm not but it's like I still get an Uber mm-hmm. booked hopefully for me and I can't because I, last time I was out on the street in drag, which was two years ago, I got hospitalized. So it's that thing of like, oh I know, so I'm really bringing it there. But like, yeah. you know, the journey is amazing and it's the best journey I've ever been on. And the thing that back then with my parents when I was 13 that used to cause me a lot of pain mm-hmm. is now like the most amazing thing in, in, in my life. But like, that doesn't come with its, like without its sort of hiccups and problems. And you can read all about it in the book. <laughs> it's all in there. <laughs> Do you think you talked about uh, drag as a kind of performance of gender? and I find this fascinating, what we define as gender and what makes somebody male or female or non-conforming. Do you think actually by... Because drag also, it, it's a gender extreme. Mm, you know, mm. it's, it takes the best and the worst of both sides and really sort of pinches them and shows them off in a beautiful way. But do you think actually by having that conversation more, we're hopefully creating a world where we can say it like all gender is a performance really Mm. we're just living up to some stereotypes Mm. is Mm. that what it's allowing us to do yeah well i always say i think good drag whether drag king drag queen or sort of drag performer Mm. whether you know not necessarily tethered to a gender i think good drag should be like 
not just exploiting the signifiers of a gender. It shouldn't mm-hmm. just be like, I'm a sexy lady and like, yeah. you know, look at me. It should be like thoughtful and questioning. And then I think if drag is like that, so not necessarily what you always see on RuPaul, yeah. what you'll yeah, see yeah. in the clubs in East London and what you'll see on stage at the Soho Theatre and what you'll see at, at Ducky at the RVT, all amazing places in London and, and also in the bars and, you know, up north where I'm from yeah. and things like that. I think... Uh, in those, they're, they're the conversations that allow the conversation about gender to be expanded and questioned. Because a lot of drag performance is just about questioning binary systems, right? So yeah, basically, I agree with what you were saying. So you, uh, so you say now the pronoun you like to use is they, correct? They, yeah. How did you come to that decision? Well, it's this kind of the exact same thing as drag. It was all just like a domino effect, and I think I have, you know, I've never really felt like a man. Um, and then I sort of, you know, dressed up a lot as in very feminine sort of signifiers. And um, and again, I, 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 I sort of explored maybe being female and it didn't really sit right all the time. And and then after a while, I sort of discovered this thing that was they and non-binary. And then I was like, oh, that really fits. Because, you know, being a man, I just, I you, you know, I never fit into it. And I it, also masculinity was always kind of mean to me. Like I got a lot of men being quite horrible to me I'm sure we've all felt that but like you know so I was just I guess in a way it was partially wanting to distance myself from men although like you know some men are great um, <laughs> we hashtag not all men but a lot of them yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know hashtag most men um, hey I love other men <laughs> yeah I can't can I say the yeah you know, I love men sexually, but not socially. And that's what I would say. Um, but I think it just sort of eventually ar- arose. And that was about learning the language. I think if I'd have known that when I was 13, I would have been a they. I would have been non-binary. Can I, and so I'm, try- I'm going to go on a journey of trying to explain this out. Reading they, um, so. On the sheet. On the sheet. It jars me gra- grammatically. Right. And so I had a flicker of if it jars me grammatically i can see how that for me personally and others how it then when you're th- when i'm thinking about gender how it takes my brain a long time to get mm. over it because i've been programmed in such a way mm. that this is how things are constructed whether mm. it's a sentence or behaviors but it's only reading it that i was like that doesn't fit makes sense yeah. and i can see how that doesn't fit for lots of other people mm. translates into that does not fit you know whatever that fit uh, uh, is but reading it on paper was the first time I was like oh I see my prejudice there but it is yeah. it starts from a grammatic like the sentence to me feels doesn't doesn't, doesn't work compute, yeah. yeah it's full it's funny what you just said how you took the route of being like oh it's funny you read they and then you were like oh look how we've been constructed to not to be programmed to just think he mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. Yeah. and that I think if you go down that pathway you'll get to the right answer or you'll mm-hmm. get to the kindest answer ultimately mm-hmm. but I think if you go down that that doesn't compute route. I mean, you know, it took me a while. I get my pronoun wrong the whole time, you know, and like <laughs> a lot of my friends are non-binary and I'm always like, oh, wrong one. <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, we, I guess we have that sort of like um, code between us where we can. But I think it's just always about thinking, you know, when it feels hard, it's about respecting someone. And, th- you know, I always say that my, you know, my grandma, bless her, she passed away in December. She was the best ever. She kind of taught me to be gay, but she didn't know it, but she did. Um, like, she learned to use an iPhone. She was 88. She learned to use an iPhone. Yeah. So I'm like, you can learn to use an iPhone. Yeah. You never had that when you were growing up. You can learn to use a pronoun. Yes. You can learn to, you know, just, yeah. it's just not that hard, yeah. actually. And once you start to think about it that way, actually, then I now 
basically call most people they Mm -hmm. obviously unless they specify otherwise and just sort of if I haven't met someone I'll say they so Mm -hmm. kind of just falls in quite nicely and Mm -hmm. it it helps it's Mm -hmm. nice Tom if somebody comes to see you in as Crystal Mm -hmm. what should they expect well, I sing oh. really high. I've got a really high falsetto. <laughs> and one time in Edinburgh last year, this this guy came up to me and was like, I think I saw you close the prom, the BBC proms last year. <laughs> you were a fantastic countertenor. And I was like, yes, that was me. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I'm a singer. I, do, I sing songs and then like comedy. And then I'm doing a solo show around the book um, in, in March at the Soul Theatre. And then it's going to Edinburgh, I think. Um, and it's like, readings from the book it's called the bible Two, the show and basically it's this idea that i've heard about this guy called jesus he's got 12 followers what is that (laughs) and like i wrote this book and it's way better (laughs) basically um and so it's like kind of in chapters and they're called like genesis and queerinthians and things like that amazing so when is this at the show march the 18th there's only like four tickets left so get them okay And uh, Tom, people want to follow you so they can add to the follow account. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at, at Tom Glitter on Instagram and and Twitter. Um, but, you know, that was a name I chose when I was 16. And now I wish I could be more, <laughs> more serious, but I can't, I can't change it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Love it. Do go follow the fabulous at Tom Glitter. Tom, thank you so much for coming oh. in and chatting to us all about life as a drag queen. We and it's a real honour to be on Paras Women's Hour, honestly. Oh, thank you for welcoming thank me into you. the studio. Thanks for coming. <laughs> loved it. Oh, I want to read the book. It's in all good wars. Well, all yeah, good books. Well, we've got it. I love the cover. Oh, I'm in really love with that cover. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some great messages. It's a bit filthy, so, you know. Not for the kids. Maybe don't give it to your grandmother. Give her an iPhone first. Let her work that one out. And then Then she can download the Kindle version of it. On the iPhone. Perfect. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.